Let's start with Josh. Josh, why don't you why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. And the other thing I want to hear is like, like what is your origin story of getting into like garments Word. and just vintage? Word. Okay, so I'm Josh. The origin story of garments. Um. Probably like the the key stories of how I got into um, vintage clothing happened in high school but prior to high school i had always been into history and the connection between um the connection between garments toys nostalgia and how that all worked and stuff so from a very early age i would pick up a toy but I wouldn't necessarily be okay with just knowing about that toy. I want to know like how the toy was created. What's the story behind this specific toy? Is there any back, um, is there like a backstory to any of that kind of stuff? For instance, I collect Masters of the Universe. I have since I was seven or eight years old, pretty intensely. Um, and I remember being maybe six or seven he man led me down a rabbit hole with conan and conan the barbarian and i became entrenched with um uh fantasy art and all that kind of stuff um so when i started getting into clothing and the culture uh surrounding music um as a teenager um i just would go down the rabbit hole everything led me uh to another question and finding out uh, more about um, garments, graphics, um, uh, nuances, you know, buttons, zippers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what about you, Chantel? Like, how did, how did your curiosity start with, like, a lot of this stuff? So it's not as in-depth for me for... Uh, okay, well, I've always had an art background. That's kind of where I started... Um, I did want to originally be a fashion designer. That was like what I decided in grade six on what I was going to do. So I've always liked art history, the history of fashion. It wasn't really so much like I need to know about this zipper, but I did like knowing that I don't know, there were special things that were needed to like make a garment or like certain textiles on how that had to, I don't know, there had to be like some type of processing for that. So I just... But wasn't there a sweatshirt at Holt Renfrew that you needed to have in like the early 90s? There was oh, a the designer. Isaac Mizrahi sweatshirt. But yeah. that it was actually a knit sweater. It was cropped and it had like a, it was like pink with like a star or a heart on it, which was like, uh, I can't even remember. That might have been elementary. I don't know. Maybe that was grade seven or something like that. But that was more just like, oh, I just want to design. And then that just kind of went through that. And then I've just always have found the history of art and fashion to be interesting. But um, like our origin story is more like... Uh, How did we meet? Oh my God, Josh, are you going to do this as every answer? So we met at Over the Rainbow. Uh, we were both working retail there. Yeah, where was this specific location? Yeah, uh, inside the store. <laughs> it was in Yorkville. So we were both working at a jeans store. Yeah. And um, we both just, you know, like clothes. So it's really as simple as that. And then it just kind of snowballed into different things. But uh, I went off to study fashion design at Ryerson. And Josh studied fashion business at George Brown. Don't and, laugh. Well. That's a real... It's a degree. It, I know it's a degree, but you don't handle any of the business aspect of our business. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that <laughs> firsthand. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was just kind of like um, we went off and did our own things for, I don't know, work. We both did wholesaling. Uh, I did some design. 
uh, Josh started doing vintage, got serious about it. And then literally I asked him, do you just want to work together? And, you know, it's hard. Like we, we, uh, we're dating. I mean, we're still a couple, but it's a lot when you put a lot of eggs in one basket. So a lot of people would be like, how do you work with your spouse? But we do handle a lot of different tasks. So although we wear like a lot of different hats, it's not like we both do the same thing really. So like Josh is great for social. I don't care to do social. So I film him and now he does green screen stuff, which is great. I don't have to draw the emojis anymore, which is great. So we wear like a lot of different hats that don't really cross pollinate, I suppose. So I like to curate the store. That's my favorite thing to do is merchandise it. If you've ever been inside the store, it is meticulously folded. I do not use a folding board. It is just me that does it. And yes, I refold every pile that you see that is touched, that has gone through, that Josh folds. Yeah, I've heard that Josh is not... As, He's as a terrible folder. No. Nope. Can we can we get this on record right now? I would fire him if he was our employee. Did you? Did, but you had retail experience, right? This I'm legit like, right? a decent folder. Okay. I'm just not a good as good a folder as Chantel. Okay. I worked retail for many years. I am a serviceable retail clerk. I know how to fold clothing. I'm just not allowed folding clothing in the store I co-own. <laughs> But I think the, the the one thing you you make a good point too is like I guess the two of you have like your own strengths in a way, right? Yes, I would say that. Like Josh does like to, like he's the face pretty much of our business. I and you don't care and you don't care to be that. No, yeah. I think it'd be a problem if we both wanted to be the same thing within a business. You need like a good balance. I really run a lot of it but it's it's a good it's a good balance I would say because I do like to have I don't know control over all the things that I do and Josh really does love to do a lot of creative so you know we're both workaholics which is not healthy but it it works this is like what we do and we try to not do something work-related, we always end up doing something work-related. Like, we tried to go on a personal trip to New York. How did that go? We went instead to go do a buy. Like, it's just what we do. Or we're like, oh, there's a flea market. Let's just, like, go and see what they have. So it's, you know, it's just nice that you get to, like, buy for a business and do it that way. But, you know, we did this for a lot of years, like for fun the journey's always better than the end goal anyways and sometimes that journey involves 12 hours of driving mm-hmm. um, in i don't drive a congested by the way. car so josh is driving on all these trips. he drives on all these trips i'm the wheel man what about when you need a break though you no, i'm good i get in a zone <laughs> okay yeah yeah so um chantel we drinks coffee at, at truck stop she know yeah she knows all the all the specialized iced coffees available in North America from all the big box chains. So she just goes in, gets me them, and once I have one, I put on my Spotify rap uh, like uh, playlist. I'm good. I'm good. But I'm so good that I don't even I don't talk to anyone. Like, and Chantel's the only one in in the car, obviously with O'Shea. And O'Shea doesn't talk too much because he's a dog. So, you know, I'm just there zoning in, driving and stuff. But, yeah, we've done some pretty heavy, like, lifting driving trips. I guess, like, I can drive, like, 8 to 10 now. But, I mean, there were days where I was, like, earlier in early in our Yeah, we'd career. leave, like, in the middle yeah. of the night yeah, to we go do, and like, drive one or the two. next day. I found something <clears throat> on a Google image. Like, hey, can I come and buy this? And then leave. But... No, we're old now, so it's like we leave at like nine. Yeah, we chill. We only work thirteen hours a day, yeah. opposed to seventeen. Yeah, no, I think there's. We're definitely gonna do. We're definitely gonna have a conversation just about those trips because I feel like, especially now, like vintage being such a popular thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
I feel like people need to see like the non-glamorous. Oh, you mean like ninety nine percent of no, it? No, but that's what I'm okay. saying. It's like you guys have told me a lot of stories, like even me coming into the store to chat, and it's mm-hmm. like I think people see like the product that you guys put out and like the social media that you do, but so much of the heavy lifting behind the scenes, even from what you've told me, Chantel, yeah. it's like it's not it's not like glamorous. No, it's never sexy. So we do a really nice presentation. So like when you come inside the store, you don't know that I like you know, found this garment in like a goose poo infested barn, you know, like that has happened. So it's, I find it odd that, uh, I don't want to say new generation of pickers because that does make us feel very old, but we are old and there are new people who are like in the vintage game. So... I find it odd that people want to show that they bought an item for a dollar and they want to sell it to you for $300. So I find, yes, uh, profit margins exist in vintage. That's generally why a lot of people get into it. I Yes, good for the environment. We're doing positive things. That is never generally the first thing that people think about I'm going to do vintage clothing because honestly, it's much easier to go buy new clothes from a reputable dealer, have it shipped to you. You have everything for the season already laid out. You don't have to like run around the world trying to find stuff that your customers want. At least like that is heavily what Josh and I do like. I can tell you shades of red that our customers won't buy, the color gray that people won't wear, the kind of pants that they want to have because we work on the sales floor. This is something that we mull about. We think about trends. So I find it odd that A, people will call this gatekeeping because you are not sharing something that took us time to find You know, we're buying clothes from people that don't live on the internet, that may have something only once that was a happen chance item that they found. So, you know, uh, in 2022, is it as easy to find clothes as it was before? No, because the demand for people who are selling like a 90s garment now is much larger. Like when we opened our store in 2014, there was maybe one or two other stores that were selling a quote-unquote 90s mix. This is a mix that Josh has been selling since 2007, something he's been selling before it even became a full-time job for him. So I do find it weird that a lot of people are like, you have to be for the community and like share all of your business secrets because I think anybody who has a business is not always going to share that. Even like a food person, why would they tell you where they're getting their supplies from? Well, I don't that's know like, if this That's was like your even... business advantage, right? Like, yeah. Like, it, it, at the end of the day, like as much as like you guys love this stuff and it's it's maybe you can say a part of it is a hobby for you. I mean, it's a business. You guys are Yeah, it's a business, but the difference between what we do and 99% of people in this game is this is a lifestyle. At... At six o'clock, you know, I don't clock out and go home and, you know what I mean, and, and turn Netflix on and chill, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going, to, right? I told you this, like we're we're doing this pot, we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Then I'm going home to yeah, shoot li- a reel. Yeah, you literally put a 60, 60 minute a- clock on me. And then I'm going to shoot a yeah. reel tonight. Meanwhile, I was looking forward to this all week. I thought I was going to come <laughs> chill here and talk to you guys for four hours, but you know, it's fine. I'd love to, but yeah. you know what I mean, like you got. Uh, the grind is real. The grind mm-hmm. is always on. But on top of that, um, earlier in my, I guess, vintage clothing career, when I was finding garments and like making connections between things or um, Chantel was like curating items together or categorizing garments, that's something we did. We figured a lot of that stuff out ourselves. So for sure, we gatekeep that stuff because like we didn't, oh, there was no Instagram in 2006, five, four, three. We're figuring that stuff out ourselves, right? Um, so it's personal, like, like, like that gangster song, like take it personal, like 
everything we do is personal inside the store. Come inside the store, there's no employees working here. It's Chantel and I, we're, we're here inside the store, right? Like you wanna know something about a price point or a Garmin or what this is or that, no problem, we own the store. We know, we know, you know every square inch, every Garmin inside the store. Chantel knows where everything is, right? I can speak or she can speak about everything. It's for sure, it's personal. And I think a lot of these like, not to be an old head or anything, but like someone that's been in any game or any industry for a year and a half or two years or three years, they just don't have as much in it. Meaning like there's not that much at stake, right? Whereas like for us, there's a lot at stake. Plus it's our life, right? Yeah, I was interested because like Chantal, you're talking about how people see some of this stuff as like gatekeeping, right? Yeah. Like I'd love to just get into that a little more. It's like, what are the things that people consider that as, as like gatekeeping that like maybe you guys are doing or just like, you know, yeah, stores so like this? Yeah, so basically like I don't know if this is mainly just a social media trend on what people want to speak about, but they would say gatekeeping is not sharing the suppliers that you're buying clothing from, not listing um, the cities that you go to. Okay, so like the, the, the kind of back-end stuff a where lot you guys of, are like, making the trips yeah, and like picking up like, stuff. We're not staying in fancy hotels. We're not going with video cameras. We're not dressed to the nines in a hype outfit. I want to look like a regular person who's trying to buy something for the store. Do I need somebody who's I'm buying that from to know that? No. But this is, you know, like I remember, um, you know, a lot of people do know about uh, rag houses. So that was never something that was discussed. I've known people who have picked in them and it was like secret society. Like you had to know somebody to get into one. You never shared that spot. Now it's like, you know, everybody and their mother's on a rag house, a Goodwill bin, you know, flexing about where they buy stuff, going to buy an old store out and then sharing it. It's just like, you know, if you come across something where you find a gold mine of stuff, most likely that stuff is limited in supply and will not continue. So for hobbyists that are doing it, fine. Uh, for people who are saying there's enough vintage in this world for everyone, that's not true because trends become popular, high in demand, and... No, that's the whole point. If there was lots of it in abundance, then no one would want it and we're not calling it vintage to begin with. So the whole idea that, you know, I've I've literally have had customers say like, you should be like to my face, like you should tell me like where you bought this. And I'm like, believe it or not, this isn't what we share. Like that's part of a secret of our business and it took years of doing this. Josh and I have been selling t-shirts. Then the t-shirt boom happened. No one wanted a t-shirt. We opened a retail store in 2014. Do you know what people were wearing in 2014? Not vintage, not a graphic tee. Everybody wanted plain black, gray, white street goth. And there was there were zippers on tees. Yeah, Lots of long zipper tees, something that didn't exist in a vintage body. Am I happy that customers now want to buy a 90s garment versus a 40s garment? Yes, because there is more of it in existence, but not in this day and age, not with a thousand people selling it. I want these people who have just opened up, started a business, come talk to me when the t-shirt boom dies. I'm in a business to sell trends. It's not my own personal uh, styles that I'm pushing through. I'm literally trying to buy things that our customers want. That's why they come here. They trust us. They're like, you guys know where fashion trends are going. You guys know that what you're selling me is market value. Even like the craziest thought, like a lot of people, our customers, like they're amazing because they're like, we come to see you guys weekly. You know, there are people that we see several times a week, a month, or, you know, I can't come to the city as much anymore because I've moved out, but I'm still coming in. And the one stop I go to is you guys. There are people who fly to Toronto and they come to our store with luggage. They're like, you're our first stop in the city. Because we got we to protect that, they, right? Like where we're sourcing from. I'm not trying to like... 
ass it out on the internet. The thing is, is I just, I think it's a bizarre concept that businesses will be looked at negatively for not sharing where they buy things. I find that odd in any industry, any. If you were a baker, like, would you go in and tell me where you buy your flour? Like, you're going to strong arm someone for that? I, I find it odd. But... For us, this is a business, you know, like when Josh and I opened the store, we, you know, put maybe more of like what we thought was, I don't know, vintage that people would buy. And we're like, okay, let's try like some more 90s stuff because customers were coming in and they were like, whoa, like that's weird. Like, why do you have like a garment from the 70s in here? Because it was just like it was too young that it felt ancient for like someone who was coming in. So for a 10-year, 20-year span of our customers, you're living life differently and seeing brands a different way. So like um, uh, Kappa had like a big comeback. And so like for me growing up, Kappa was worn like predominantly by like Italians, big soccer family. It was always an expensive brand. Like the backpacks were like $150. And it was like mainly Woodbridge, Mississauga. People are going to be mad about that. But that was kind of like what Kappa shout was. Out. Shout out Woodbridge. <laughs> that was kind of like their strong demographic. So... Kappa came back and became a fashion brand. So we got that hop, skip, and a jump on fast, trying to get the brand in. We brought in the pant, key seller, sold it literally out in like a day. So the thing is, is like, it's interesting when someone like our age won't necessarily like wear Kappa because they saw it like a different way, but someone who's like 20 they they weren't there they don't know what it was they only know what it is now right yeah so for them it was like a hype brand you know like i think gosha right was a i'm canceled now but he was like the designer that brought it to the forefront yeah gosha did that big collab so you know like yes we're a vintage clothing store but we really are trend based so as much vintage kappa as we could buy we also bought like a little bit of new kappa but like that was it it was for a season it was in and it was done how do you guys know like what the trend because you guys don't you guys don't you guys can't just know what the trends are now you guys have to be able to kind of know yeah. that like kind of in advance in a way right so one way of doing that that anyone can can do that but it is very time consuming is you have to be on the retail floor your customer like you have to like have this like like intrinsic relationship with them like you have to be looking at what they're wearing how they're shopping what are they going through what are they not going through like Chantal talked about earlier the colors that they're attracted to the colors that they're not attracted to um, on top of that Chantal comes from like a design background um so she has kind of an eye for what's happening and she's constantly you know online reading you know looking at new collections like runway shows like everything street fashion etc etc and then also on top of that it's like you know what colors are popping for the season right like these are things that you constantly have to be on top of you know and looking at um, but you can kind of like, if you've been doing it long enough, you can almost like feel it. Like you can feel when something, and I'm kind of like, not the best at that. I have a I'll, better read I'll on keep, yeah, when try things to push will stuff. die. Chantel will just be like, yo, that's, it's dead. Like we're not bringing it in anymore. The, the bubble's over. Like, is there, so is there an example like sitting here right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. do you guys have examples of like things Nike that. Nike mini swoosh. swoosh. Dead. Okay. Dead. Gutted. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were times within the last three and a half, four years, um, that shit was like on fire, like insane. I remember we had 30, 40 pe people lined up on a Wednesday for that. And now... So yeah. what made Nike such a beautiful storm was the fact that a lot of it was produced because no one was buying a Nike check tee literally and flexing in it back then 
it was, I'm working out, you know, I'm going to just do whatever in it and that's it, throw it away. So they were made in an abundance. And when they made a comeback, it was affordable. So it's a perfect mix of... Everyone can afford it. Everyone can afford it. And it was hype. And it was hype. So it's like a sweet spot. It's a sweet spot. And that's when really you're making your money on a trend. It's not now when things are at balloon prices. No one's making money at that. Plus it's probably hard for you guys to buy that stuff at an affordable level. So very hard. The best thing to do is I find like a lot of trends will break here for our customers. I find they're also like more top tier progressive. So we see things come and go at a much faster level here. So speaking from our customers and Josh and I working on the sales floor and knowing them like, you know, we know a lot of our good customers very well. So it's very easy for us, maybe we just have a knack for it to see like, okay, like this is it. Like when stuff sells out for us, it's like a sweet spot because not a lot of people are wearing it yet. It's still an affordable price. I, I hate when it's like, oh, that trend's like over $100 because it's much harder to move something because your pool shrinks. When it's still small and people are buying it, you know, like people come in and they're like, I remember when I was, I bought like a Nike like center swoosh hoodie here before like they became like $150. Because when we used to drop mini swoosh and like center swoosh, whatever, like Nothing. Nike, there wasn't a garment over eighty dollars. No. And now, so, how much? How much is that stuff selling? Oh, I mean, you you go online, you know what's going on. Yeah. Like a like a center swoosh hood Prices is probably stupid. minimum like two two fifty mm-hmm. online. Um, all that stuff is just expensive. So like when we were really like burning it alive, it was like we would drop fifty to eighty garments on a Wednesday. Literally, the entire the entire drop was done in thir- in in an hour and a half, thirty minutes to an hour and a half. Gut like gutted people coming in buying like five to eight garments at a time. There was a couple that came in. They bought like seven mock necks. Yeah, the you mock know neck what I mean? couple. couple. Yeah. Shout out the mock neck couple. <laughs> yeah, if you know who Shout you are. Out. So yeah, so like those are like sweet spots of it because like you're still able to find it in the market. So I find now like when Josh and I like we're going out to buy like. People that we buy from that know us, they're just like, I don't understand. They're like, I thought like teas were a thing. And we're like, no, teas are over. Like we're into like new things. So like. We move pretty fast too. And like, that's where that people are coming to us. I think, right. They're coming to us first. Well, we offer something different. So right now there's like kind of like a level playing field on like what vintage stores are now all offering. And I think our customer has grown tired of it. So we're looking for new things. Listen. Call it like it is. What what are the five garments that every vintage store carries? Casual, it will always go dressy. It sways both ways. So sneakers will die again. I know everybody thinks like it won't. They will die. Because you guys have seen it. I've seen it. it. We've seen it with t-shirts like we were so happy when people were buying t-shirts again. Like we were like, oh my goodness. Like we can dead for so long. so long. I find that like, that's so interesting to me because maybe it's just like, obviously like personally, I love collecting like, you know, graphic yeah. tees, vintage tees. Like you guys know when I come in here and it's like, it's, it's shocking because I feel like tees is such a like constant. Because like, you're a tea like, guy. Now yeah. it is. It's yeah. different. Yeah. buying tees. So you're going to stay buying t-shirts, <laughs> yeah. but it's not but like. But it's a trend. Like it's coming Everybody in their, uh, like yeah. in their mother are going to buy yeah. tees. Yeah. So like I knew we were like selling tees when we had like non-tea guys coming in and asking for tees. Right. And they're like, oh, do you have anything with like a chest hit or like a back graphic or like that's cool. Like. This was like mind blowing for us to be able to sell like, you know, a basic t-shirt, like a Hard Rock Cafe tee, which now like is done. Mm -hmm. So in the early 2010s, like legit, we would sell maybe five tees a year over a hundred dollars. 
there was like no one nobody was buying tees there was no there was like four 90s tees that were worth over 100 yeah, bucks you're right though i That's think it's it. i think it's changed over time too it's just like perception in a way where like it's normalized to the point where people look at a vintage tee for a hundred dollars now yeah it's like, and it's okay. more accepted than yeah. it was like before yes yeah. so this is the thing what happened so like when a commodity like a t-shirt becomes popular what happens is, is then people start raising the prices of t-shirts overall. So we were in like a weird time with COVID where like, so sales that were happening, like not on the internet for people to see live, like no one knew like how stupid prices was were getting in like New York and LA. Like I just think using those two cities as like a jump off point for pricing is just dumb because those prices really only sit and exist in those two cities and they don't really exist in anywhere else okay sure paris and japan sure that exists um italy fine but i think for the most part when everybody's like whoa like you sold that t-shirt at a live auction like first of all someone writing let me buy this and that being a sale like i don't know if that's true i don't know who is spending in their right mind like $6,000 on a t-shirt. But hey, like we've seen crazier things. I think also like us being old and we're like there, there is other stuff for a more scarcity level. Like for example, like there is like true old Harley Davidson product, okay? Not even that old, even a 3D emblem garment, okay? Like not even that crazy. And there are new 2000s Harley Davidson tees that will sell for more money because like the body is a better fit so i think like this whole like trend of t-shirts and skyrocketing that price that then deters like our regular t-shirt guys that come in and shop because their whole like game or flex of buying like some weird obscure like musical genre or like the you know anime tees like everybody's like oh i want an anime tee or anybody who bought a wrestling tee it's like now yeah, it's wrestling like wrestling is a good example like it's just prices are so so crazy, crazy. Now, right so you know for me that just kind of kills it because you know, it's like, great, a t-shirt is now like $300, but I much rather have like a garment under 100. It's just much easier to sell. Like, again, I'm not a collector. I am buying things to sell. I want to sell things at market value. I don't want to overprice the sun because, you know, prices are just like insane on product. And sometimes you have to wait for things and trends to cool so like for all the work guys who buy carhartt they're like what is this like why can't i just like buy a pair of double knees it's like because every fashion kid has a pair that's also a dead trend i hate to tell you but we're already over it because trends are so fast right now you're seeing it constantly on your phone it's people get sick of things yeah i feel like it's like once you see it it's dead <laughs> like once yeah. you see it like popularized it's, and it's very difficult yeah in our shop anyways to continually sell the same thing so that was what was kind of like a phenomenon about the mini swoosh for nike because people just kept coming in for it but for everything else even like double knees like Chantel just talked about we dropped this really cool collection of like broken double knees like last september or something and it was crazy like people went nuts over them and then we did it again a month and a half or two months later, and it was crickets. So it's interesting at our shop, you, they're constantly looking for like the next joint. Like what's the next John, right? We're also not looking to sit on products. So like for anyone who's like going to come at me for saying that, it's totally fine to wear something that like, we are not deeming a trend anymore. Because yes, there are people who still come in and want to buy like you know, an advertising tee, but that commodity is like long gone. Like just people are over it. They're like, I don't need just like a generic t-shirt anymore. They want like a special I want something joint. more special. Yeah, I think I think that's the difference too. Maybe people don't understand is like, you know, you talk about like these certain trends that come and go. Like you talk about like vintage Carhartt and stuff. I think you're speaking more from like a business point too, in terms of like you guys want to put out 
particular products that 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 you guys are like trend forecasting or understanding it's what it is right it's never for me it's right. never for Josh it's for you guys right. it's always right, right. for you guys right. believe me if this yeah. store was for Chantel and I right. the entire store would be like weird broken 50 sweats dreams right like tw- size 20 yeah. sneakers like weird you know like old garments that you have no yeah. idea what's going on old denim yeah. Like weirdo advertising things from the like the forties to the sixties, like weird stuff. Believe me, this shop exists for you guys. Like that guy at the door right now, <laughs> who's just peering in, just drooling and looking at the pin box. No, I think it's yeah. like I think the way I look at this store is more like it's for people with like a certain taste level too, in a way. Yes. Right? Like I think that's important to you. I feel like it's important for you guys. So I think it's naive for either one of us to think we're going to open a curated shop and everybody's going to get it. There are people who come in here and it's just like, I don't get it. And Vintage We Trust is not for everybody. But it's not. So I understand when we're choosing to have things, you know, when you fold product, yes, that can deter people from like wanting to see things. They're like, oh, you're trying to be pretentious. It's really... To kind of, A, help people who are looking for specific things to find that stuff for you. So you don't have to go through like, you know, 4,000 garments that we have on side of the floor. And then it's also for really, it helps me to know what we have. Because if I don't have it itemized and our customers who come in who ask for specific things... I can be like, yes, I had it. Like literally we had a customer today who came in and he's like, do you have anything with wolves on it? And I legit pulled out two random items because I was like, yes, I know that we have X, Y, and Z. Does that happen all the time? No, I don't always have everything that someone's looking for. But it's like, you know, um, it's trying to make it sort of curated. So, But also the reason we have a lot of garments on on the floor is because people come in with really specialized requests and we have to try our hardest to have those garments available for people to see. And the only way to have that amount of garments on the floor is to fold stuff. You know, you get more in a shelf yeah. folding garments than you do on a hanging rack. So, you know, when we renovated the store again in, in 2020, you know, we had this debate. Do we just do hanging racks or do we do the same folded kind of breakdown? So I think also like because like T-shirts overall are still really popular. Like when we opened up, there really wasn't like that big of a T-shirt selection in here because people weren't buying it outside of sports. Like sports fans, they buy T-shirts regardless of trend. That's not who I'm talking about when I say like t-shirts will die. Like, yes, if you buy t-shirts, you will always buy them. But for people, this is like another thing. So uh, I don't wear band tees of music I don't listen to. That's like an old head thought that most people my age or older are like. They're like, if I don't listen to this band, I generally don't wear this tee. Same thing with sports. Same thing with... Anything that was a graphic. So you if, must freak out when you see like all the young kids no, just wearing I, band tees. No, I have to say, so when we open... It is weird. When we, but I understand it. So when we opened the store, I had the music section organized by genre. And that threw people way off. They didn't like all the questions I was asking them. What kind of band do you want to listen to? Oh, this is metal. This is rock. And they're like, I just want a graphic tee. And I'm like, but... I wasn't like understanding. So like, yes, there was a learning curve for Josh and I because we weren't selling, you know, just to us. So we were like, okay, we're selling to like younger people who view things differently. And that's fine. A lot of people do buy sports items just because they like it, you know. Colors or they're they're matching a fit. You know, not everybody who buys a Tigers hat is a Tigers fan. They're just like, I just like the D, man. And I think a part of it is like at the end of the day, you look at it like that's a transaction for you guys too. In a way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, whatever they want to do with that. Exactly. Whatever they want to do it. Like I'm never going to be like name three songs. Like if you asked me, (laughs) I I would struggle. I think that'd be kind of cool. Name (laughs) three (laughs) Sade songs. Or name three Detroit Tigers. Yeah, like, you know, I couldn't do. Alan Trammell? 
They, no Tony one... Clark, <laughs> Mickey Tennelton. <laughs> no, I think no, I think that that really is interesting because like I'm sure you guys see such like an extreme like different spectrum of like customers that come yeah, in. Yeah, I, right? I I'll get tell it. you what's cool about it. Yeah. Um, we'll get like a we'll get like a really dope looking graphic banty, for instance. Mm. Not a really well known band, but it looks cool. Sorry to tell you this, old heads. Y'all just buying like five bands. It's the young kids that are looking at it through a different gaze. And they're like, this is a cool looking tea. I'm going to take a chance on it. Whereas like old heads are like, oh, I didn't like that 95 I didn't like that record. Album. Yeah, they have like all these like weird emotional yeah, things. Like- and that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own shopping quirk. It was just interesting um, for us because we're like, okay, this is how like people are buying things. And that's fine. Like I'm not uh, knocking on it. It was just different because I was like, okay, fine. I'll just organize, you know, t-shirts by size because it was too specified and going over people's heads. So it was a bit of like, a learning curve but you know it's it's more exciting right like when we see people that are really in, young kids that are interested in stuff and they don't have like all this like back catalog of like what it meant to you in like 97 they're looking they're looking at it fresh mm-hmm. and and that's really that's really amazing and fun to see like when Tommy blew up in 17 yeah, that was nice. To that see was really cool, right? Like they were looking at it like new, and it was really exciting and stuff. And they were wearing it in new ways. Yeah, because Tommy and Nautica cool. never get a lot of shine. Yeah, like it's always such polo Tommy Nautica or like the '90s like streetwear brands that people all clump together. Polo will stand the test of time. Like people will always buy it. I think we've been selling polo forever, so it's just something that. People uh, think of as expensive, having a history and, you know, like a cool factor to it. You know, we do treat the store also seasonally. So shorts come out in the summer. They're not here in February. Stop asking me in February for shorts. They're not here. So that's like kind of, you know, we can do turnaround this way. But, you know, sometimes we miss and, you know, you're like, okay, fine, like, that was a dog. We can sell that. Like the Gap, a dog. LL Bean, a dog. The Gap is so fire. It's so interesting because, nah. like, it's such an amazing brand and has such incredible pieces through its history. But it just doesn't really hit. Like, no. So you guys put that out, and it like, yeah, we not a lot of people bought it. We have yeah. a lot of great Gap yeah. inside the store, and it's never really touched the way that other brands in the same era have. And that's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's interesting to look at, right? Because as someone who lived through the 90s and know how many important um, people during that era wore the brand. Columbia, no shine. Columbia, too, has never blown up. No. And I mean, one of my absolute favorite... Okay, this is me not gatekeeping, by the way. So yeah, one of for my, once, yeah. Once, for once, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Josh. So, okay. Appreciate so you. One of my absolute favorite photos of all time uh, it's from the Mass Appeal 94 Gangstar record. Yeah. And it's a photo of Guru and Primo in the New York subway, I believe. And there's a black and white and a colored version. And Primo's wearing, he's wearing a bugaboo, a teal bugaboo with this really amazing, like, Aztec um, triangle fleece that's z- zipped in. It's a Columbia piece, right? To me, people hate on Columbia, but like to me, it's as iconic as other jackets that were worn by prominent um, people within the hip hop community during the same era. Yeah, but there's not like a prestige that's attached versus like some of these other brands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what causes debates for Josh and I a lot of time is about like the kinds of brands that we're going to sell. And like, yes, there is still brands that I don't put out because I know they won't sell. It's either like too heady or just like not hype enough. So the thing is, is like, yes, there is a history for a lot of items like a lot of garments for example but like uh so we've 
tried to sell lots of different jean brands inside here. The only jean brand we can sell is Levi's. I think that I think that when you walk into a vintage clothing store, a curated vintage clothing store, our store, any other store for that matter, you're buying um, obviously the raw garments, but you're also buying into the taste level and the branding of the store. So Chantal and I have like a specific taste level through the merchandise and the curation, how we present ourselves. Um, we look homeless, social. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, not in person. Not in person. How we, we, we look on social? We don't look good in person. Yeah, on a green screen. I look real. I look real sexy from it's, the neck it's up. It's us or the store. Those, that's what go, you I get. I wouldn't go that far, Josh. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like you're you're buying into the taste level, right? So, um, I think we have like definitely a specific way of telling that story and our history like our personal history and what we lived through um maybe is different than how other people in the market um perceive and or their personal history so um you know and and shared pasts between customers like if if we went through something together um that's special right like music or a brand or um an event, right? Like people want to connect. So we can connect by words, but it's way more special connecting through a garment, right? Because it's it's tangible, it's physical. Yeah. yeah. So before I wrap, I want to ask you guys a couple yeah. more like personal things. Please. I've always been curious, like what's your personal closets look like? Like, you know, like Chantel like, yeah. has... Chantel's been wearing, like, she is, like, the most capsule. authentic person on planet Earth. First of all, Chantel's had the same haircut since 1986, okay? It's true. I've had same haircut. She wears, a, like, the literally the exactly the same thing my entire relationship with yeah. her. So you're like a... Black you're like a tees, uniform. black uniform pants. Dressing. I am, yeah. Black Converse. I'm a Steve like, Jobs uniform yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. So I find when I go like hard body at work it's much easier to just sort of wear the same thing all the time because all time is invested in the store it's just like literally the last thing like when i come to work it's like gremlin troll i'm just like here i am but the store looks pristine so it's just easy not to think about it uh we live in a really small space. So all closet space is dedicated to Josh. Like everything uh, full packed to the brim of stuff. Does he wear all of it? No. He still wears the same six garments that I do. But he... I feel like I've, I feel like I've, never, check. I feel like I've never seen you wear the same outfit. You're always pulling always out something different. He wears always the same though. thing. It's always the so same. So you've tricked me. Maybe yeah. the hat is different. Yeah, he different. probably mixes up like hats, you know, hat. or sneakers or something If I had the like time... That. Um, I would definitely like pull fits off, but again, there's like, you know, everyone who's in this business, um, collects something, right. Or they hold on to garments cause it is a lot easier to get them. Um, that's like people that sell records. Like they obviously are going to have specific record or genres that they collect. So, um, yeah, just from osmosis, you know, you just, you accumulate stuff or you're like, you know, and then you can kind of like forecast things not coming out as much. So you're like, maybe I want to hold on to this. Um, we do that in like small spurts. Um, it's not as intense or maybe not as visible as other stores. We don't really collect stuff that sells inside the store. If that makes any sense. Like, you know, I've said in before, like we're not, you know, holding like double XL Russell black hoodies. And I literally you know. don't wear vintage jeans yeah. because my size sells. So yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like, you got to sacrifice for the game. Like, I'm just like, okay, here it goes. Like I wear, I buy new Converse cause we sell vintage Converse. So it's just like, you know, I, I just, find that so interesting though. Cause you're like surrounded by it all the time. Yeah. Right? I'm surrounded by it all the time. So maybe that's why I don't, I'm just like, but we also want to put our best foot forward, right? Like if we're keeping everything yeah. and you come in and you're just like, Oh, like where's all the cool stuff. It's like, Oh, I just kept it all. Exactly. Like you can hoard or you can catch it for a hot minute, 
but you got to release it in this game. Like, you know, I what keep mean? like every accessory that I bought for the store. Like I would literally keep it all because I think that stuff is cool and no one does it like us. So I, you know, I'm constantly like, what's a, what's a new commodity that you guys would want to buy? Like what's something new that is maybe nostalgic to people, you know, like it's really um, just about us finding cool things. The flex is having it inside your shop and being like uh, a customer walking in and being like, yo, I've never seen that garment for sale in person before. Yeah, here it is. You want to touch it? Do you want to try that $900 garment on or even a $50 garment that you've never seen in person? Cool. You can do that here. We don't have stuff hung up like from the rafters so you can't touch it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can touch everything inside the store. Like nothing is out of reach. No, you everything can, is for sale. Yeah, everything's Aside for sale. Aside from the artwork, you can touch you it. Buy that. You can, do your thing, take a fit pick, like whatever you want to do, right? Like, so that's kind of what's special, I think, to a certain extent about the shop. Yeah, because we have attainable and unattainable But items. they can touch everything. But that's the whole point. Like, people like to, you know, shop in a store where it's like, you have like every price point available. So yes, we are a premium store. Like, there's no denying that. Like, there is a high level of curation in here, but there is also a lot of it that's affordable. Why must we be bougie? <laughs>